Welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast, episode 1063, my interview with Dr. Timothy Shaw, discussing great philosophical problems. Enjoy. Hey, Tim, welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast. Great to have you here today. That's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Lee. Um, for those that aren't watching this on YouTube um, and listening to the podcast, maybe jump over to YouTube. Tim just showed me around his office there. He's got a, a think tank office, um, which is quite creative. Thank you. Tell us about that space. I mean, why... why Ah, it's a look. It's a um. Well, it's uh. It's an old abandoned bar, in fact, and it's, um. Uh, it's 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 in Potts Point in Sydney, and um. Uh, you know, it's it's um. It's got a heap of art in it, which um. Yeah, well, which which uh. Lee, <laughs> let me let me let me restart. I don't really want to talk about the space. I don't really <laughs> want to talk about the space. I I prefer not to talk because I also live here as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got a um, a think tank. I do. Tell me, what, what's a think tank and what's your think tank all about? Okay. Okay. Look, a think tank, I guess, I guess it's um, uh, a collection of ideas um, uh, which I guess bubble and boil around for a long time and, um, and come up with some definition which can inform uh, something that's happening around us or in turn or inside us. So mm. um, I guess for the past um, little while, there has been a dearth of, of really good definitional knowledge in this field of moral injury. And um, this think tank, I've, I've started it for, it's been running for a little while and it's been concerned with all sorts of things. Uh, it's got great philosophical problems. So you've got, um, you know, we had we that's used the name to have a of large, the think tank, great philosophical yeah, problems. It, it used to have a million people in it, in fact. <laughs> well, yeah. well it, uh, when it was uh, through Facebook, but um, now it's got now it's sort of transformed, morphed into a, a different beast, and it is a uh, um, it's a think tank specifically um, looking towards these understandings of meaning in society, the under, these understandings of how justice is attached to that meaning, and how um, the psyche understands that in terms of morally injurious events um, and understandings. Okay. It's a bit of philosoph- uh, philosophic thought behind meaning in, in life generally or are you focusing Look, on, and then you talk is, about PTSD and, and um, veterans and helping people well, with suicide as well? Look, no, of course. So um, it, um, with, with, this, with ideas that um, uh, like moral injury are all PTSD, just like PTSD before it, moral injury while it is or at least started off in the veteran community as a way to describe wartime trauma, that those understandings are slowly becoming um, are seeping into uh, the social lexicon and you'll see um, moral injury after COVID or, or ideas of this um, nature and um, understanding where those ideas come from, how they're enunciated. So if moral injury is understood in terms of a religious sense. So um, the church uh, has its own ideas of what constitutes a moral injury, but how do we understand moral injury perhaps in the time where the uh, the church is losing at least, it's losing at least its listenership or its viewership or the people that turn up on Sundays and what that means or how or how even the what's called the death of God, which is a, a, a construct, a, an idea of what's happened in uh, f- first world Western um, countries and how that 
plays out into understandings of moral injury and what really, how can you even talk about moral injury in the time of the death of God? Hmm. What is moral injury? Let's go there first. Explain well, that for me so I can understand that better. Yeah, no, of course. So uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a few definitions of moral injury that are, um, that are flying about. Uh, the, um, the first definition that was proposed was uh, by Jonathan Shea, who, uh, was a, who is a psychi- uh, psychiatrist um, operating mm. out of America, and he, he defines moral injury as a, um, being let down by a person of authority, uh, and it's a very culturally um, relevant definition. Uh, the second definition is by um, a group of uh, scientists um, headed up by Brett Litz, and he, and it's more of a perpetrative um, uh, based definition. So acts that you uh, commit or omit, um, where your agency is seen as something that uh, that perhaps is important for for the definition. The church um, at the moment is uh, uh, pulling together their own understanding surrounding moral injury. And um, there's a a fabulous new centre that's uh, been established, um, the Centre for International Studies, uh, the International Study for Moral Injury, and that is a a way in which um, moral injury is to be explained to the priesthood or to the clergy and how um, these new understandings can be understood um, by such persons. Okay. It's confusing oh, me. Let me tell you what my definition is, and it's not really my definition. It's um, it's Frederick Nietzsche's definition, which is um, okay. which is which is uh, which was the um, uh, well, uh, the the way in which to come to this definition. It's quite difficult to do because mm. you have to understand if we now live in a time of humanity and crimes against humanity, where if you saw a God walking down the street and he said, you know, let's those people in the suburb next door to us, let's kill every third born. You could charge that God or those ideas with crimes against humanity, but you couldn't charge humanity these days with crimes against God because after World War II, uh, the Nuremberg trials established and invented these new dictums of thought and, uh, and, and moral gravitas where the worst criminals in the world that had ever been weren't charged with crimes against God Right, they were charged with crimes against humanity, and in so doing, by charging um, uh, uh, the, or- the orchestrate the orchestrators of the Holocaust, or the Shoah, by charging them with crimes against humanity, humanity was placed at a lower level than religion. So, um, and this meant for the Jewish people, you know, that was the end of their the ancestral sin. Ancestral sin was no longer seen as something that could be blamed for what had happened to them. It was just, uh, you could not, there was the death of original sin in, in a certain way for the, uh, for, for the, um, uh, for the Jewish uh, people. And, um, and it ushered in a time, um, the, the, the time of humanity and crimes against it has ushered in a modernity for us whereby we see steep declines in religion or religiosity in our societies. And this is because um, with uh, these ideas or these dictums of humanity and crimes against them, these are very these have come from the just war tradition. And the evolution of the just war tradition to this to this point has been 
trying to understand the virtues of Christianity, how to understand what is right and what is wrong. And um, so in the time of humanity and crimes against it for a Christian, there is less need to believe in Christ as in, uh, even though that is the basis of Christian thought and even atheistic thought in uh, Western societies has a very Christian flavour to it, maybe not in the ideas of, um, of God, but in the judgments or the, the uh, revenges or the penalties which are applied to those who do not uh, see the world in the same way as an atheist. Mm. And, it's th- and it's those hidden, um, hidden whys or hidden meanings that mm. um, are, are, the, are the basis that Nietzsche starts to think about and he starts to critique and he critiques it, this, this idea, um, uh, throughout his whole life. Uh, but a very poignant um, example of this critique is, is in his masterwork called Dust Bag Zarathustra, where he says, uh, you will see a future projection of uh, uh, Christian psyches. He says, they will be like, kine, which is uh, an emaciated cattle, and um, the kine in the future will be clustered around a preacher on the mount, and this preacher on the mount, because, you know, the second coming is not available or or no one believes in a second coming anymore, the preacher in the mount represents uh, Buddha or Eastern religions where instead of waiting for the second coming, the Christian psyche is really looking for release with that first lightning of ego death. And so that that to understand uh, what moral injury is in the time of humanity and crimes against it, all these ideas um, sort of wrap in and, and tie together. And, um, and I, I'll, I'll tell you, so, um, so moral injury is the suffering for meaning of a will to truth that has become conscious of itself as a problem in us. Um, and I know it's a little bit of a to, to get your head around, but um, if you like, I can walk you through um, how this definition has come into existence um, through the the works um, of Frederick Nietzsche and how those works are then informed by the times in which we live, which is humanity and crimes against humanity rather than God and crimes against God. Why do we go, why would there be crimes? I mean, you have to be a believer in God to have crimes against God to begin with, True. wouldn't you? Yes, definitely. But for, but uh, if we understand moral injury as coming at the end of a Christian tradition that has been in existence for 2,000 years, yeah. uh, because in the end, the definition of moral injury, it has emerged right at the very end. Right, right. Well, when in society start, now, is there lots of people it, with moral injury, or well, the definition has only been proposed for thirty years, and yeah. while people are saying, well, you know, moral injury happens, is it, it, it's a constant. The the explicit defining and and creating a construct of moral injury is certainly historically significant, and it coincides um, with new ideas or or the the um, you know. The most pillaged piece of prose in the English canon is um, a poem by W.B. Yeats called Slouching Toward Bethlehem. And it talks about 
what is what are these new understandings that are coming to inform our psyches? It has been, um, you know, every it's the most pillaged bit of prose. So that metaphor is something that is so formative to what we are looking for. Some some not really the division between good and bad, but a transvaluation of what good means, or mm. and a transvaluation of. Um, of good so um sort of beyond this is the um the basis of beyond good and evil for what Nietzsche writes about well we talk about moral injury just to try and summarize it a little bit better from Mm. my head um I mean are we looking at it and going well we've had this um this this loss of meaning in the world because of the loss in faith potentially uh multiple faiths whatever it might be Mm. And therefore, we suffer um, because there is a, a loss of direction towards that meaning. Well, no one, no one suffers if if the meaning isn't ju- um, if there if there's no shock to meaning. Okay, so and and it's not really meaning. It's it's if um, if your suffering has meaning, there is no moral injury. So it it doesn't really matter what happens to you if you can find meaning or if there is meaning into your suffering, then you are not morally injured. But, for example, if you're suffering for meaning or if you're suffering for justice, so there's no, ju- there's no justice to your suffering, that beca- uh, and, and the way in which you are suffering for your justice or for your meaning is through the Christian way of understanding the search for justice or the search for meaning, which is a will to truth, and that will to truth becomes conscious of itself as a problem in us when we get to the end and we think, well, hang on a second, if we keep following truth down the very down this rabbit hole, we must end up at faith or we in the very end because you can never it's almost a null hypothesis. Um, you know, you, you can't ever prove something's true. You can only prove something is false. Hmm. So if you if there is no justice in your suffering then you could be described as experiencing moral injury. Correct. So if you can't find, so uh, I've been. But there's a lot of suffering of, without justice, wouldn't there be? Uh, well, yes, but for example, if you if you were suffering without justice in the Christian tradition, um, you know, a few hundred years ago, um, maybe a thousand years ago, doesn't really matter. You would go and say, you know, uh, I'm suffering, and they would say, well, you know what? That's because, um, you know you did something wrong or God's punishing you. And that punishment or that idea of punishment, which would always throw the meaning of suffering back onto yourself, would be that meaning. Um, and that's what Nietzsche understands as the ascetic, ascetic oh, okay. idea. So and, and so you will always It's kind of like scapegoating, it. really, isn't it? If you're well, around, that is the, that's the origin of scapegoating. If, is it? Well, a scapegoat was... Um, uh, in the desert, when the Jewish people were uh, uh, going through the desert, they would put, put the sins or put the transgressions onto a, um, sa- a, a ceremonial goat and allow it to escape into the desert. The yeah, yeah, right. and, and that would take away the, the sins or, or expiate one's soul. Yeah, I watched a movie the other night and it was a totally off, off subject movie, but they were talking about it was very Christian oriented and, and the sins and, and the father would say, well, it's obviously because we've sinned and we've done something wrong, so we have to yeah. pray and repent for that. Yes. Um, so that was them basically finding justice in their um, Correct. In their and, and that's the very thing that um, 
uh, Nietzsche is absolutely fundamentally against. He says, if we are to um, uh, to have a more joyous, um, so his his moral injury uh, started off when he uh, came back well, from war, and he went to war as a medic. Yeah, his first book was called. Um, uh, <laughs> the birth of tragedy, and then he went to the joyous wisdom and the transition from the birth of tragedy where, you know, the hero takes on these, you know, I must do better, I must do better. Uh, it is, I, that is in the end that he wants to transvaluate the idea of a hero instead and away from those heavy burdens and to take it into a joyous wisdom um, in a non-culpable way because you don't want to be dropping off all these ideas and all these uh, mean uh, uh, so for example how do you how do you in an ethical or moral way do that and that's how he's that's what he's uh, describing in, in his book thus Spake Zarathustra none of them which I've read but um, mm. no um, I look I obviously read you're for, well, for, 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 yeah well rehearsed in it the um, so he's sort of arguing that you know you, you can't have suffering um, without justice. He's saying that if you do suffer without justice and, um, or sorry, if, if you are, um, uh, I've, I've spoken to some young people and they believe that there is no justice in the world. They believe that um, uh, you can't speak to power, um, uh, that um, very crucial issues to them aren't being taken into consideration, whether it's the environment or what have you. And in that in that injustice, that's where they find moral injury because they can't find meaning for it, and it creates a um, a very savage mentality uh, where you, there's despondency or there's understandings of nihilistic nihilistic behaviour and or behave. Well, just just nihilistic psychologies, and those are the things that we're starting to see emerge in our societies today. Yeah, do you think it's just because young people are too impatient and we want everything now and we can't be bothered no. to just persevere? No, no, I don't think so. I think that they have been born in a very particular time, mm. um, for, and that uh, and very particular time without the um, the buttresses that religiosity and its effect on our societies has given to previous generations and without the meaning that uh, and without the meaning of great historical events that have flown through to them so for example what is the meaning of the holocaust um you know uh is it the establishment of a new state or is it the establishment of new ideas that flush through the world of humanitarian ideas, so the ideas of humanity and crimes against it, mm. or is it a state? And, and we're seeing this, um, this strange dichotomy where you see Israel itself being um, charged or, or, or accused of crimes against humanity for the settlements that they are building on occupied territory and even at this point, for example, our government in Australia, our go my government in Australia, um, there is a, a veto on the International Criminal Court by our country to start um, investigating or start to to really look at at these at this subject. And I think that these ideas um, 
when they clash so so vigorously, um, these it makes it very difficult for um, for any strong or clear uh, meaning to travel down to um, uh, f- future generations or younger generations. Um, uh, and we see this as well in nuclear the nuclear bomb. So that was at the end of World War II. And America, we're really lucky that America used that nuclear bomb because they used it at the end of total war. So the, the barrier for use of nuclear weapons is, wow, we're using them at the end of when the whole world was in rubble. And if nothing else, that is, is what saved um, uh, the, their future use. But in the end, because America never put their hand up and said, even though we've built a bomb that can only be used um, against civilians because it is non-discriminatory, we are not going to label this weaponary something uh, as a crime against humanity, which of course, it, of course it is, um, but rather we will understand it as our prerogative to use and we will always have it in use as a possible first strike uh, capability. And that those understandings become very deleterious mm-hmm. to the psyches and understandings um, of future generations as well. And mm-hmm. the, those are the very understandings which will see their future use um, and not prevent it. Right, right. So a lot of this meaning that's that's being lost in the world through through the loss of religion and, and that sort of thing, is that where we can see that young people feel they don't have justice? I mean, going back to a simpler point of, hey, my voice isn't being heard about, you know, climate issues. Um, but wouldn't we just then say, well, yeah, I get they don't have any resources to pull on to give them some sort of justice, so they feel a lacking of justice. But well, couldn't we then look at the... Um, older generations that were very much a part of this and say, well, that's where they've come from, but then you've got to look at it from their perspective. Mm. Well, I, I think the the what resources, I'm not too sure what resources you mean, but there are a lot of resources resources in the world to start to engage with these ideas. Mm. And the, the engagement of these ideas, it's not something that you will be able to turn away from um, and get away from it. It's, it's uh, because... There is, after World War II, there is, and it, and it is invisible, but there is this huge force, this huge humanitarian push or force that has come from the, um, the I guess you'd call it the guilt or the, the Christian guilt complex, which has said we are going to start putting our resources into humanitarian institutions, and these have been the fastest growing um institutions, uh, when you think about, they came really from nothing. And now we have the United Nations. And now we have um, vast international food distribution um, ideas. And this network is only going to become stronger. Uh, and it is and it is a network in which meaning, you can really understand meaning in because it's starting to look towards uh, um, to satiate, even if uh, even if there is no God, at least you can look after um, humans uh, and and do uh, all the environment, or or this or that. But in the right. end, yeah. But in the end, the, the looking after the humans that should be the most central peg in all of this. Yeah, so we're creating new organisations or groups of people to help with 
the social level yeah. of meaning. Maybe. Well, look, it's even more than that. Like these these ideas, they have now. Um, uh, you know that something is powerful because it wants to change things that are retro. He wants to retrospectively change things that go back in time. Now, um, the ideas of genocide have now been applied retrospectively to the creation of the law. Um, you look at the Armenian genocide. Now, Turkey's very unhappy about that. But we're saying that these meaning or these ideas that are surrounded in genocide and crimes against humanity, they have always been there. And we should and we must or we need to look back through history with these um, tinted glasses on. And, uh, and you see that that is something that very, very rarely emerges. Um, and the emergence of that is something that is, uh, is a profound change that is also reflected in in the change of uh, base catechisms of the Catholic Church, where you'll see in 2018, uh, um, the church said, hang on a second, capital punishment is in all cases wrong. In fact, we can never morally justify capital punishment. Um, and the way that they have got around that catechismal change is to say, well, you know, societies weren't ready for this idea. Sounds like a cat. It's it's it's, it's my it's my it's my um, ringtone. Um, uh, societies aren't weren't ready for this idea, but if but they're saying that if uh, we now no longer have the moral prerogative to say that someone may be um, capitally punished. And, and not only that, that capital punishment or taking of one's life as a punishment is no longer at all um, able to be justified. And, and if you look around the world and you think, well, where are, are these ideas reflected? You'll see these ideas reflected in institutions that have been the spawn of the Nuremberg ideas, which, for example, are the International Criminal Court and when you look at the International Criminal Court, you'll see the main driver of that court is Germany. And if and 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 abstract and because the the main drive of the International Criminal Court is not they don't really care about the the perpetrator of these crimes, and they don't even really they care, but they it's not the 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 main aim is to build up a cohort or a, a, a build up a, um, a literature on these uh, on these um, and document and it's more truth and reconciliation um, and and healing and these are the new understandings um, going forward um, that have been spawned from Nuremberg that are very important uh, for the world to understand and get behind and it's very important um, for uh, powerful countries um, to sign up to the International Criminal Court. Mm, yeah. There's some depth in this, man. Um, oh, what's yeah. Your, your think tank that you've created, just tell us a little bit about that and where people can go to find out more about it and and more about you. Yes. Uh, it's, it's Well, it's, it's Great Philosophical Problems uh, Think Tank. It's, um, yep. it's, it's in a, it's, we've got a website. It's uh, Great Philosophical Problems. And, um, you know, I, you can find out a bit about me on the website. So you just go to the website there um, and you can sort of connect with you and, and find out more about it. Can they get involved? You can get, you can get one of these lovely mugs. It's, um, it's, the, uh, it's the think tank mug. It's, it's the seal of the president 
change for um, change instead of the seal of the president is the seal of humanity and crimes against it. And instead of the hawk, it's a dove. And uh, and you can you can I'll give a prize out to whoever has the best interpretation of the uh, the motto of the think tank. How about that? <laughs> That's good. All right, guys, check it out. The links will be in the show notes. Uh, Tim, thanks for coming on the show today. Real pleasure. Thank you. Until next time, guys. Peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcasts. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is lee manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon